So, uh, that's just kind of how it works. And I've got a friend that uh, years ago, they decided that they weren't going to do celebrate time change, if it's a celebration, this until after church. And so they kind of had mixed results for a couple years. You had people coming at normal time and people still showing up an hour later, like when church was over. So they went back to do it the other way. So I was thinking about my childhood a lot here this week. And I, when I grew up, there was this guy named Evil Knievel. Now, how many of you have ever seen Evil Knievel on TV? How many of you saw him crash on TV? Because if you saw him on TV, you saw him crash. Because that's what he did. So when I was a kid, Evil Knievel was a really big deal. Now, he was an older dude, but he was a big deal. And he's jumping buses and cars and motorcycles and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, man, that would be great until you even crash. And you go, man, that's crazy. Well, before Evil Knievel... There was this guy named Charles Blunden, and uh, Charles Blunden was an acrobat and a tightrope artist. And so he went all over the world doing, walking on these, between buildings in New York and all this stuff. And so on June 30th, um, 1859, and there's going to be about to be a picture of him that's going to be up. This is an actual picture from the uh, newspaper. Charles Blunden, for the first time, I say the first time, crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Now, let me explain to you, when I say cross Niagara Falls for the first time, that means he did a lot more, which we'll talk about in a second. He was, the, the rope is three inches in diameter. It's 1,100 feet across. He's 160 feet off the ground, above the falls. None of which says, I want to do this. But he did that, and there were 100,000 people present the first time he did it. And so after he did it the first time, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you figure out you're good at something, you get bored, you start coming up with creative ways. Um, crossed over Niagara Falls in a, in a sack. He once crossed over on stilts. That's nuts, by the way. I'm just saying. He once crossed over with a wheelbarrow. He crossed over with a wheelbarrow full of bricks. He did all kinds of stuff. And so finally, as the story is told, and there's different versions to the story, so we're just going to kind of cut right to the chase of it. Um, as the story is told, he's crossed Niagara Falls in his wheelbarrow. He went forward, and the next time he went backwards. And so then, Blunden asked the crowd if they thought he could cross with a person in it. And, you know, the crowd, the crowd went crazy. And then he said, all needs a volunteer. And the crowd got silent. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wouldn't do that, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. But this is what I want you to understand. When it comes to your walk with God, God is looking for people who are willing to get in the wheelbarrow as he pushes. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who trust him enough to get in the wheelbarrow as he pushes and provides and holds us up and carries us when we can't carry ourselves. To, to do things that we would never dream to do on our own. And so this crowd in this story kind of reminds me of this, this idea we've been talking about this series of this Christian atheist. And a Christian atheist is someone who says they believe in God, right? They, but they live like he's not real. They live like he doesn't exist. And I would say this, and, and if you kind of tie the knots together, because we're going to talk about this wheelbarrow a lot today. 
To say you believe that this guy could push a human being across is one thing. To get in the wheelbarrow and let him push you is a whole different thing. Right? I mean, we would agree with that. To say you believe in God is one thing. To live your life like you actually think he's real is a whole thing altogether different. So if you're like me, you've seen God work in your life. You've seen God do amazing things. You've seen God show up in big ways. I've seen God do amazing things in our lives. I've seen God do amazing things in the lives of people that I know and love. I've, I mean, I, I, God has done a lot of stuff. And then you just go to the Bible and you see all these incredible things the Lord did. If the Lord can part the Red Sea, the Lord can carry me wherever he needs, I need to go. If the Lord can devastate a nation with plagues, then surely I can trust him with my life. If the Lord can calm a storm, raise the dead, heal the sick, feed the masses. I mean, if he can do all these things, if God is truly greater than anything I'll face in this life, the proof is getting in the wheelbarrow. That's where the proof is. It's not what we say, it's what we do, and it's how we live. There's a, it's one thing to say you believe, it's a whole other thing to actually do it. And so Paul talks about this in the book of Titus. And he says this, and he's describing people who say they believe in God, but live like God doesn't exist. And this is how Paul describes people like this. He says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are, and here it is, detestable, disobedient, Worthless for doing anything good. Here's what Paul's saying. To say you believe in God, but live like he's not real is detestable. It's detestable. It's worthless. It's disobedient from the call we have as followers of Jesus. To say one thing and live another way. It is a contradiction. If you trust the Lord with your life, we should trust him enough to get in the wheelbarrow with him. Right? I mean, it's, it's simple. So here's the whole thing. Who we live for and how we live. And those things. And how we live. Those things matter. Let me remind you of the thing we talked about four weeks ago started this series. We talked about this. We said, if you, if you say you believe in God, then live your life as if he's real. I mean, that's pretty simple. If you say you believe it, live what you say. And live your life as if he's actually making a difference in how you choose to live. Live your life in a way that your values, your ethics, your morals, your boundaries, your standards, how you conduct yourself at work, how you treat your kids, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your employees or your employer, how you treat your friends. There should be evidence that what we say we believe about God is actually true. There should be evidence. And the evidence is really simple. Do I trust him enough to get in the wheelbarrow? Or do I not? It, it's really, really simple. And so what it comes down to, it's all about steps. And, and this idea of, of choosing to get in the wheelbarrow with, with the Lord is all about taking your next steps. Now, here's what I want you to understand before we go any further. Everybody on the face of the earth has got a next step in front of them. Everybody does. Everybody. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you love the Lord or you don't. Doesn't matter if you're a faithful 
follower or kind of halfway in, everybody has a step. And here's the thing about steps. There's another step that eventually the Lord wants you to take, but you can't take that step until you take the step in front of you. You just can't do it. So it's all about not the step down the road, not the step 10 steps over. It's all about your next step. And we're going to talk about steps today. And what we're going to talk about today, every human being who lives on this planet fits in one of these categories we're fixing to talk about. Everybody does. Every human being who has lived or ever will live. And so when you think about next steps, these are the kind of things we start to ask ourselves, right? So what does this step look like? If I take this step, what's it look like for this step in front of me? The Lord wants me to take a step. What's it look like? Now, with well, like everything else, there's a cost. What's it going to cost me? But the big question is, am I willing to pay the cost? That's, that's the big question. Here's what I believe to be true. If you want to know what God wants you to do, you've got to know where you are. How can you take the step in front of you if you don't know from where you're standing? How can you know what God's leading you to do if you don't know where you're standing with him in the here and now? This morning is about where you're standing in the here and now. It's about all of us figuring out where we are so we can understand, the, so we can see the step we need to take. Not the step that's 10 steps down or five steps down. Not what we, the next step. Everybody has a next step. Everybody does. And so we're going to talk about four barriers that, that people have to cross in, in regards to their walk with, with the Lord, right? So here's the first one. And this is a big one. It's a really important one. Here's the first barrier. You have to choose to surrender your life to Jesus. That's the first barrier. I will surrender my life to Jesus. I will commit myself to following Jesus. I will give him my heart. I will follow him. I will pledge my allegiance to him. I will surrender myself to him. And the thing about surrender is, you know, kind of look at it this way. If somebody, you're in the bank, right? You're in the bank because people still go to the bank. I mean, I still go to the bank. Some of you bank online. That's great. I still like talking to people. Uh, so sometimes I go inside just to talk to people, and I talk to everybody when I go in. So then when I go in, I'm going to talk to everybody. I'm not just there to see one person. I want to see how everybody's doing, right? And so sometimes I just drive through the drive-thru, and I talk to one person. I like talking to people, right? If I'm in the bank and someone walks in, and they go, and they have a gun, they say, stick your hands up. You know what I'm not going to do? I don't really feel like that. I, you know what? If you'll just let me get out, I just came in to talk to people. If you'll let me get out of here, then you can rob the rest of them. You can have all my money. Just let me go. You know what? Put your hands up. How long do I have to do this? No. Put your hands up. That's surrender. That is, I am in your hands. That's what it is to follow Jesus. My life is in your hands. That's what it means. Total surrender. Now, in this, so there's, and, and in this, when you cross this barrier, there's all sorts of steps. And if you've already crossed this barrier, you probably know someone who hasn't. And so here's kind of, here's one of the steps. One of the steps is that somebody will, somewhere along the way, they, they you know, they, they said a prayer or they made a commitment to give themselves to Jesus 
But when he came down to being baptized, I said, ah, it's not really for me. It's not my thing. I don't really think I have to do that. The thing is, Jesus said we, we do. He commanded followers to be baptized in the Christ. It's not my idea. That's his idea. And so maybe the step you need to take or someone you know needs to take is you need to finish what you started and surrender yourself to Jesus, submit to Christian baptism, and give your whole self to him, just part of yourself. He doesn't just want your heart. He wants all of us. Maybe that's your step. Maybe you've never made the decision to surrender to Jesus. And maybe the step you need to take is you love the Lord, you want to serve the Lord, but, man, you can't be all in until you're all in. And so my prayer is either today or one day this week, if that's you or someone you know, that you or you, or you will encourage someone to take that step. Baptistry is up and running today. It feels really good. It's going to be up and running all week. That's the plan. So if that's your story and you want to talk about that, you, you have two choices. Come forward at the end of the service. We'll go from there. Talk to somebody. Talk to me. And we'll go from there. So, but that's the big barrier. Because here's the thing. Until you cross this barrier and take these steps, you can't do any of the rest of them. Because the rest of them don't matter until you do this. So if, you are, if your story is, I've done this, I've passed this, I'm through this barrier, I'm on the other side of this, then you come to kind of the next barrier. And the next barrier is this. It's a person who says, I believe in God only enough to receive a benefit from the relationship. Now, you don't say it that way, but that's what we believe. I believe in God. And all I want from God is the benefit of being saved. That's what that means. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want Jesus to be my Savior. We talked about this a while back, if I'm not mistaken. I want the Lord to be my Savior. I just don't want Him to be my Lord. I want to go to heaven without changing my life. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Like, this is the world we live in. This is the culture we live in, right? So, I don't want to be married, but I want all the benefits of being married. So, we're going to, so I'm going to live with somebody and because I want the benefit without the hassle. That's the world we live in today. And, there, and that could, there's many examples of that. But what it means is this. I want the benefit of being saved without the strings that go with the relationship with Jesus. And maybe if that's your story, your next step is to step away from that. Because here's the thing about steps. When you step to something, you step away from something. And maybe your next step is to step away from this idea that being saved is good enough. That how I live and who I live for matters absolutely. So I need to step into this reality where who I live for matters every day. Maybe that's a step you need to take. And if you take that step, there's probably another step. And another step, to step to something, you step away from something. You always do. Your back is always turned to something when you take a step. It, it always is. But so maybe this is your story, right? I want, the, I want the benefit, not the hassle of the strengths. If that's your story, there's a step for you. I have no data to back up what I'm fixing to say. This is one man's humble opinion. I think a majority of Christians in our world today live right here. 
I think most of us do. Benefit of being saved? That the hassle of a relationship. I have no evidence to back that up. I can't point to a survey and give you a percentage. It's just what I believe just on my personal observation. But if you can push through that barrier, if you can get through it, right? If you can help someone get through it, you come to the next barrier. And the next barrier is, is kind of an interesting one. And it's kind of, a, it's, it's got some similarities, but there's a big difference. And, and it's people who, who cross into this next barrier say, I believe in God about enough to be comfortable with him. And you guys know me, I like my comfort. I like when I go to Donna's on Wednesday, I don't have to tell them what I'm ordering anymore. They just start ringing it up. And then they go, oh, were you going to get the usual today? And sometimes I want to go, well, I am now, but, I, but the truth is I was, so it doesn't matter, right? I like when I pull up McDonald's in the morning and that little girl starts calling out my order before I can say a word. I like it. Now, I might have to wait 20 minutes to get it, but I like the fact that they know what's coming. I like the fact that when I go to a restaurant, there are three things on the menu, and most of the time there's only two, but sometimes there's three, and I'm going to pick one of those three, and I usually pick before I get, walk in the door. I like my life. I love my comfort. I, I do. Khaki pants go with everything. And so if I could have a drawer full of khaki shorts, that's what I would do. I'm married to someone who won't let me do that. I like my comfort, which is fine until it comes to our relationship with God. Because God's not into comfort. God's into pushing boundaries. God describes people who are, I'm with you, God, but as long as you don't ask me to do something I don't want to do, if you do, I'm out. This is what he says in his book. He says, he describes people this way. He says, if I don't have to change too much, I'll do some of what God asks. If it doesn't hurt too much, I'll get more serious about God. And I love this line, but everyone has their limits. Right? I mean, we all have our limits. We like our comfort. I think this is, when people kind of, kind of push through this, oh, I'm, I'm on board, I'm on Team Jesus, and they get here. I think a lot of people, this is the next place where people get really get stuck. I'm with you, Lord. Please don't ask me to do something I don't want to do. Ask me to do something that I'm good at. Don't make me do something that's going to stretch and push me. Three events in my life have shaped my faith in God. Three events. And I don't know if I've talked about any of them, but I'm going to talk about one of them today. The second thing that shaped my walk with God is the day I picked this dude up who was walking in the cold. The other thing was when I went and spent three and a half years at a campus ministry that was broke and decided that I was going to, I wasn't going to raise money. I was going to do ministry and I let the Lord raise money. And some people say it's a stressful way to live. I'm going to tell you something. It's a stress-free way to live. We did ministry. The Lord raised money. Paid every bill. Never missed a check. There was $13 in the bank when I started. There was about $75,000 in the bank when I left. I didn't do that. I just did ministry. But it shaped my life and it changed me. But here's the first thing that really, really pushed me. The first area where I really, really had to push myself. So we moved to Tennessee in 1995 in the summer. 
And that fall, I was presented with an opportunity to go to uh, the Dominican Republic with CIY, with Christ and Youth, to help them with an international conference. The thing is, we had a one-year-old at home and one on the way that was going to be born in December. So Crystal and I talked about it, and we said, you know, it's a great opportunity. We need to do this. And so I agreed to it. And when I, was, when I left, my son was a year and a half old, and my daughter might not have been a month old yet. I know what some of you are thinking. Dude, you are not nuts. Maybe. Let me tell you the backstory. The closer I got to leaving, the more I wanted out. I wanted out. I wanted out because I started thinking about things. And I started, well, I'm leaving my family. It's tough. And, but here's the truth. For the first time in my life, I was going to get on a plane, which I'd been on planes before, and leave the country. I'd never left the country before. I was going to fly over open water. I'd never done that before. The night we got on the plane, and I'm sitting with my buddy from CIY, and we're sitting there, and they stopped the thing and says, hey, we're not going to take off yet. There's a little chatter in the tires. And I looked at him and said, this ain't helping me, brother. All I want to do is get off this plane now. I was going to go to a foreign country. I was going to speak to people who didn't speak English. That's fun, by the way. I was going to minister to people who wouldn't understand anything I said without an interpreter. So I had this person that everywhere I went, went with me. I saw real poverty for the first time in my life. Now there's poverty that we have in our country, and it is horrible and it's tragic. But I saw a whole different level of poverty. I saw entire families living in what can't be construed as anything more than a refrigerator box. Happy and content with what they had. At the airport, my bag was about three days late, so I wore the same clothes for three days. I'm a dude, so that's fine, right? But I went back to get my bag. This guy opened my bag up with an M16 strapped to his shoulder and started going through my bag. The first thing there's my hot tops. I'm thinking, you have anything but those. I didn't say it. Dude had a gun. Scared to death. We left the airport. And I learned something new. You know, it's a really cool thing. When you go somewhere in America, unless you go on toll roads, you don't have to pay to go anywhere. When you leave an airport in the Dominican Republic, do you know what you do? You drive through military checkpoints. Do you know what I had to do? Every time we stopped, the driver's going, all right, need some money. We bribed our way all the way through to our place. I was thinking, this is getting expensive. I got there. I was there for 10 days. 86 degrees, weather was beautiful. My poor wife was stuck with two kids and a foot of snow in an apartment. One of us won the lottery, one did not. You can figure it out. That trip, more than anything else, taught me that God is not interested in my comfort. He is interested in pushing me beyond my boundaries. That trip changed my life. Just going. Just going. God is not into comfort. God's into pushing boundaries. The comfortable thing to do is to watch the dude go across the wire 
with a wheelbarrow and go, man, that's pretty awesome. If you want to push your boundary, get in the wheelbarrow and let him push you. God's looking for people who are interested in getting in the wheelbarrow. That's who he's looking for. So if you can push through this idea of comfort, you come to the last barrier. And when you cross in this barrier, you spend your whole life taking steps. Different kinds of steps. I call them big boy steps. Because every step is a big boy step. And this, and this last barrier is when you believe in God enough to give your life to the cause of his kingdom. I am all in. Completely. All in. Whatever you Wherever you send, wherever you lead, I will follow. I'm sitting here today because of that. And only because of that. He led, we followed. The comfortable thing to do is to stay where you've been for 11 years. But God said, jump in the wheelbarrow. That's what we did. That's what we did. Paul says it this way. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, you talk about barrier moving, pushing your comfort to beyond the boundaries. Paul says, look, here's the deal. If I die, because he's in prison, by the way, when he writes this. If I die, which he did, I win. Because I'm going to heaven and I'm with Jesus. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, that, that's not in the Bible, but it should be, right? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's what he said. If I die, winner, winner, chicken dinner, I'm going to heaven. Chicken being Chick-fil-A. So, and if I live, it's winner, winner, chicken dinner. Because I'm going to live for the Lord every day. I'm going to commit my life to the cause of the kingdom. So if I live, I'm with the Lord. If I die, I'm with the Lord. Either way, I'm with the Lord. My life is good because I have a purpose. And my purpose is to take the step in front of me and that next step is wherever he leads me and whatever he's calling me to do. That's the step. So if someone said to me, what's your step? I would go, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Because everybody's different and everyone's in a different place. I can tell you because my wife is tired of us talking about it. I've had what I feel like is a step in front of me for like 20 years. And she's waiting for me to take it. And every now and then she reminds me. Sometimes we get a little stubborn and we get a little stuck. But I think there's so many things beyond that if I just take that one. Everybody gets stuck. Everybody does. So when you kind of think about all these, these, these boundary lines, so it all starts with either I'm with the Lord or I'm not. Either I'm going to surrender my life to him or I'm not. Either I'm going to submit to him, I'm going to dedicate my life to him, I'm going to give him my heart, I'm going to give him my life, save your Lord, and be baptized into Christ or I'm not. Once I do that, either I can live with this no strings attached attitude, which a lot of folks are, whereas I want to go to heaven, but I want to do what I want. I can push beyond that. And I'm with you, Lord. I'll do most anything, almost anything. Just don't ask me to do something that's going to make me uncomfortable. Because I'm not sure I'm going to do that. To get to the place where there's no boundaries, there's no comfort, there's no excuses, wherever you lead, 
I'll follow. Where you send me, I'll go. Because when you say that to the Lord, because I think a lot of times we say, hey, wherever you lead me, I'll, I'll follow. Until he leads you somewhere you don't want to follow. Right? I'll do anything you ask until he asks you to do something that you don't want to do. To give your life to the cause of the kingdom of God is to every day say, wherever you lead me, whatever I need to do, I will do that. And there's a series of steps you will take from the day you make that courageous decision to the day you take your last breath. When do you stop stepping? When are there no steps left? When you're in heaven. Until then, step, step, step away. But to do this, we have to decide what's really important. So later in Philippians, Paul talk, lays out his life. And, he's, and Paul was like, had this great life before he became a Christian. And he left a lot of stuff behind. And this is what Paul says. I once thought that these things, talking about his life, were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting all as garbage. That's an interesting word we'll talk about one day. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And here it is. Here's the kicker. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Sounds great. Leads to a question. Why are there so few radically devoted followers? People who want to do it are different from people who are doing it. I think one of the things that hangs us up is something we've talked about a lot around here, I think, and, and that is this idea of, you know what, I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I've got a lot of problems. I, 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 my life's pretty messy. I need to, I want to follow Jesus, and I know he's leading me to do this, but first, I need to fix some things. I need to work on me a little bit, like your own little self-help book, right? I'm going to work on me, and when I work on me, then I'll do whatever Jesus wants me to do. The problem with that is, there's always going to be you to work on. The bigger problem is, who should be working on you, you or the Lord? That's why I don't really do much for self-help. Should you be working on you or should the Lord be working on you? I mean, really. And let me remind you of something we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you're worried about failing as you follow, let me, make, let me bring your, your mind at ease. You are absolutely going to fail as you follow. Absolutely. I am a husband, and sometimes I'm pretty good at it. Sometimes... I'm not even looking at her now. Um, I'm really horrible at it. Sometimes, man, I, I knock dad out of the park. And sometimes my kids would like to knock me out of the park. The one area where I'm close to pretty good right now is the grandfather thing. But I haven't had time to mess that up yet. But I'm sure it's coming. 
I'm a brother. And you go, well, you, you had a brother. No, I have brothers and sisters by marriage, a whole bunch of them. Still a brother. Pretty good at it sometimes. Pretty bad at it a lot of times. I'm a son who has the unique ability without intending to, to hurt his mother's feelings often. Not a good gift to have. I do it all the time. Never mean to. Never mean to. Do it all the time. I am a coach. I'm a pastor. Leader of people. Mentor to some. Now I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of different things. And sometimes I do them really good. And sometimes I do them really, really bad. But the deal with Jesus is, let me remind you, that I can follow Jesus now, and I can change as I go. I can follow Jesus now, and I can grow as I go. Because the, the more, every time we take a step of faith, the Lord does a work in us that we didn't see coming. It's not just always about what the Lord wants us to do. Sometimes it's about what the Lord wants to do in us. In 1996, I believe all he wanted me to do is get on an airplane. I think that's all he wanted me to do is get on an airplane and spend 10 days in a foreign country. Changed my life. There are a lot of things about that trip that were a blast. All I really, the important thing for me was that I got on that plane. That was the important thing because God pushed me. So in short, this is what it's all about. If you say you believe in God, then live your life as if he's actually real. That's the thing. If you say you believe in God, let God change your habits. If you say you believe in God, let God change your priorities. If you say you believe in God, let God change your values. If you say you believe in God, let go of that one thing you th is holding, the, holding you back so you can step into something that's better. If you say you believe in God, then live like he's really making a difference in your life. That's how you commit yourself to the cause of the kingdom of God. And it is a courageous journey. And it's a treacherous journey. And sometimes the last thing in the world you want to do is follow. It is in those times that you need to put your head down, plant your feet forward, and follow. I had something written down here. Um, I want you to think about this. Comfort is great, but comfort's the enemy of being committed. You can't be comfortable and be committed because comfort is about me. Committed is about him. Can't be all in if your comfort's greater than your commitment. Father, you have called us to be all in, Lord. You've called us to, to live a life of full devotion. You've called us to commit ourselves to the cause of your kingdom. That's what you've called us to do. And you call us to doing that by simply taking steps. Taking the step in front of us. Follow you. And we change as we go. We grow as we go. But there's so many steps I believe that you have for us as a church, that you have for us individually, that you have for me. 
And all that's preventing me from doing that is tackling the step in front of me. Everybody has a step to take. And when we take that step and we go through that journey, that season of life, there'll be another step waiting for us. Pray, Lord. A simple prayer is whatever step we need to take as a church, whatever step we need to take individually, whatever step we need to take in our faith, whatever step we need to take in our devotion, whatever step we need to take in our commitment, whatever step, He will choose to follow you. And that, Lord, is our prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.